1995, a man named Anthony Ayers was traveling around England with his girlfriend. They're bouncing around the English countryside. Um, Tony was an amateur artist and a furniture designer, and so he always liked rummaging around antique shops. That's our colleague Kelly Crow. So they find themselves in this little antique shop. He's sort of looking behind things and looking around things. And anyway, he finds this armoire, but he actually was more curious about what was behind it. And there was this this dusty, you know, wood-paneled painting that looked like it was a Madonna picture, a, a picture of Mary and the baby Christ. And he just was struck by the quality of it. Ayers had a hunch that this painting was special. It looked like something from the Renaissance. He thought it might be a long-lost da Vinci. He didn't have enough money to buy it, though. The shopkeeper wanted $30,000 for it. So Ayers went back home to Chicago and convinced a small group of people to pool their money and buy it together. These were not art dealers. These were not curators. These were not trained people who had a hunch and then followed that scholarly hunch to its conclusion. These are everyday guys. They thought they might have found a hidden gem that they could sell for hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of dollars. But proving the painting was actually worth something would end up being a massive undertaking and consume their lives for decades. I think what their story shows is just how many loops they have to go through, how many people they have to appeal to, ultimately how subjective it is, right, to try to get something authenticated. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, February 22nd. Coming up on the show, did Anthony Ayers find a masterpiece? This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. After Anthony Ayers found that painting, he spent the rest of his life trying to prove it was a masterpiece. But he died last year, leaving his investors to carry on his quest. You know, this whole thing is bittersweet without him here. He should be doing this phone call today, not me. That's Ari Cohen, one of the first people that Ayers got to invest in his painting back in the 90s. Well, let's go back to the beginning, before this whole thing started. How would you describe your relationship with art? I had no relationship with art. I was a 22-year-old kid who knew nothing about art. I couldn't tell you the difference between Michelangelo and Van Gogh and knew absolutely nothing. When did you first meet Tony? We have a little industrial complex, and he was one of our tenants. And one day I'm sitting there looking through his window, and I see he's got this picture sitting on like an easel. And I go in there and I go, what's going on? He's like, I think I found a da Vinci. Ayers didn't have the actual painting yet. Ari was just looking at a picture of it. 
The painting is of four people. There's Mary and baby Jesus, along with Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, and her baby son, John the Baptist. They're dressed in rich blues and reds, reminiscent of other Renaissance art. In the corner, almost in a shadow, is an oak tree with a goldfinch sitting on its branches. Something about it looked special to me. And I was a young kid just starting my life. I wanted to make a lot of money. So I thought, hey, let's dive into this. Ari borrowed some money and told Ayers he could contribute $1,000 to help him buy the painting. And he wasn't the only one. Ayers managed to convince a group of people to pitch in and buy the painting with him. I think it just started off as a kind of a fun parlor game among friends. Hey, let's just see if we can do this. And maybe maybe we've hit the lottery, right? Like maybe there's a payoff. So the economic arrangement here, the deal is, is that like they're putting money in and they're sort of like buying a stake in the painting so that when it sells one day for, you know, however many millions of dollars, they'll get that percentage. They will. Yeah, that's how they've arranged it. And consortiums are not, let me be clear, consortiums are not unusual in the art world. Dealers will often team up two or three to go in together on a picture. After cobbling together enough money, Ayers flew back to England and bought the painting. Now, he just needed to figure out who created it. He had one solid lead. The antique shop owner had told him that he had gotten the picture um, by way of a convent in Kentucky. It was run by the Sisters of Charity of Nazareth. And so Tony went there. He like flew to Kentucky, you know, the summer after he got the work and he met with the sisters there and he said, what can you tell me about this picture? And they confirmed a huge, great tale. The nuns in Kentucky told Ayers that they got the painting in the 1800s from a Catholic bishop who was donating European art to new American churches. In the 1980s, the nuns sold it to an art dealer when they were trying to raise some money. For Tony, this felt like a big breakthrough. It showed the painting in history. I think for Tony, it was just this great early eureka moment that made him feel like all the pieces were going to click together, you know, really quickly. But that story wasn't quite enough. He still didn't know who actually painted it. Originally, Ayers thought it was a da Vinci, but he began to change his mind after showing the painting to an art historian named Larry Silver. He invites Larry Silver over to his house, sets it up on an easel, and Larry took a look, and Larry said he was impressed. He was impressed by the delicate, warm nature of Mary's face, and he was impressed with the fact that it was painted on wood, that the wood looked old. And so when Larry came in and said, wow, you know, I don't know exactly what you've got, but these are Raphael faces, that went a long way with a guy like Tony who hadn't been trained in that, you know, to sort of have a lead to run from. Why would it be significant if this was a Raphael painting? Oh, man. Any sort of a Raphael finding would be seismic, right, within the art world. Raphael was an Italian Renaissance painter who died in 1520. Raphael is one of those handful of names, right, Um, who we know only by one name, right? You've got the Ninja Turtles there. You've got Michelangelo, Leonardo, Donatello, uh, Raphael. I mean, he's just, he's one of these amazing painters who typifies the the high Renaissance. So um, he also only created, I think, fewer than 200 works. And most of them are in places like the Vatican or they're in museums. They're just so rare to find another one 
would be a game changer. I mean, look, the last time we found a Da Vinci, it sold for $450 million. So the hope is is huge when you think maybe you found a Raphael. It's like finding a lottery ticket. Yeah, yeah. A winning lottery ticket, I should say. If you can prove it, if you can prove it, then it is, yeah. In 2009, one of Raphael's sketches, not a full painting, just a sketch, sold at auction for almost $50 million. But proving you found a Renaissance masterpiece isn't easy. There's no one person or organization who makes a final decision. What Ayers needed was a consensus from the art world. And to get that, he'd have to hire people to do some forensics. You have to not only look at the picture, you have to look at the details concerning the age of the pigment, right? The age of the canvas, or in this case, the panel of wood. You have to look at other comparable pictures that the artist did and see where you can find similarities. You're going to be looking at, you know, how did Raphael paint other pictures of Christ? Like, did the ringlets on the hair look the same or did they look different, right? Like, you have to sort of, you, you launch yourself into this matching game and then you put it before people who are considered to be Raphael experts. So that's exactly what Ayers did for years. Here's Ari Cohen again. It meant trips to England, trips to the Vatican. He had to read, you know, there was no internet back then. So you, he had to go to libraries and look things up and do things the old-fashioned way. It was quite the tremendous undertaking. And Tony was the perfect person to do it because he was very detail-oriented. He bought every book on Raphael and the Renaissance, and he really took it on with a tremendous amount of gusto. He would find all sorts of little tidbits and get excited and call us, and you know, then I'd go back to my job. <laughs> <laughs> How would you respond? That's great. Very exciting. Great news. And let me know what, what, what the next step is. <laughs> Ayers took his painting to scholars, conservators, and pigment analysts— and a lot of the evidence seemed to suggest that it was, in fact, painted by Raphael. But they still hadn't convinced everyone in the art world. So some scholars thought the face of Mary and Jesus were particularly compelling. But then they thought that the way the Elizabeth character was painted was awful. And like Raphael would, would not have painted the, the curls on Jesus's head to be so wispy. That there's, you know, he typically did ringlets and these are a little bit more blown out. And then other people had problems with the oak tree, the way the leaves were painted. And some people thought the goldfinch was like a little bit more crudely painted than he would have done. Other people countered, well, the oak tree was the symbol of the family that was Raphael's biggest patron. And so maybe an assistant went in there and, you know, added an oak tree as like an homage to his patron after the fact the scholars were willing to get really close and they weren't, you know, saying 100% sure Raphael and no one else, right? They were saying pretty darn close. What kind of an impact does this have on Anthony Ayers? So it really consumed him. I think it went from being kind of a fun pastime to being a quest of epic proportions. I mean, he, he fell for this picture and he fell for the hunch and he could never let it go. Unfortunately, around 2010, he got diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's. Um, and so even he started to worry at some point that his memory was going to betray him. Um, and so he sort of conceded the point and really let the group, you know, he and his wife retained their roughly 30% share 
but ultimately he had to he had to let it go. Today, there are around 40 investors who have a stake in the painting. Together, they've invested more than half a million dollars trying to prove it's a Raphael. And then, last year, Ayers died. When Tony passed away, how did that affect the quest that you were all on? Well, it didn't change our determination at all because we had known, you know, Tony was suffering from dementia many years before he passed away. So we had taken on the reins of proving this uh, way before he passed. After Ayers died, Ari and the other investors refused to give up. We knew it was a Raphael. We knew it. We knew it. We knew it. Coming up, a break in the case. After Ayers died, Ari and the investors kept looking for ways to prove their painting was a Raphael. And then they came across a relatively new company called Art Recognition that uses artificial intelligence to examine paintings. So Art Recognition is a firm in Zurich, and it was created by a woman named Karina Popovici, who has a doctorate in theoretical physics. Um, So she's used to sort of creating algorithms um, and data sets to sort of analyze a whole lot of things. She has her her bona fides within the financial realm in terms of using data to tell a machine how to learn um, and come up with different conclusions. And so what she's decided to do is apply that headspace and that AI software to art attribution. Art recognition built algorithms that can identify patterns in artists' brushstrokes in order to assess whether a painting is real or fake. Has art recognition had any proven successes with other art? I mean, what's funny is it's had more luck sort of dismissing pictures, right? So it it very recently sort of concluded that a possible painting by Peter Paul Rubens in London's National Gallery wasn't by him. Um, The museum sort of took some note of that. And the firm has had good luck with a handful of other pictures, but it's still still a newcomer in the game, right? So they've still got to prove their mettle. Ari and the investors thought the AI might be able to help them. We wanted to subject the painting to any technology out there that could help our case. So we have nothing to lose. We submitted it to the AI. And at first, the AI talked about how the tree, the bird, the cloth on the Madonna were not painted by Raphael. And we said, you know what, let's just focus in on the faces. And then we had a 97% identification that it was a Raphael. How did you feel in that moment when you saw 97%? I got chills. I will be honest with you. Definitely chills ran down my body. Very excited. Finally had the proof that we have always been looking for. And it's, you can't argue against it. But our colleague Kelly says there's a good chance that humans in the art world will argue against it. 97%. I mean, that's, that sounds like it. That sounds like the smoking gun. It's, it's a Raphael. 97 It kind of does. I mean, at least it sounds like, I don't know how much more sure they need to be. I guess now you have to see how much do you trust a machine, right? What do people in the art world think of this technology? 
and of this company. Yeah, I mean, so the art world is still, it's still a little bit of a fusty, clubby realm, right? Where people adjust to change more slowly. So I think within the art world, there is some cautious optimism about the role that AI could play, so long as it doesn't sort of replace or supplant the standard gatekeepers. You know, they don't want people to think that the computer is flawless. Um, they don't want it to see it as a smoking gun. They, they do want it to be used potentially as another tool. But, you know, there's some things like, you know, conservators want to know. What do they do when the paint has been worn down or maybe when it's flaking? I mean, to what extent does condition play a role in the quality of those digital images? You know, a scholar can sort of, you know, figure that out. Can a machine do that? And they have real questions that I think the firm will have to speak to as time goes by. So what does this story tell us about the art world? Oh, man, that it's as Byzantine as ever, right? And that it is a rabbit hole that you should sort of know is going to be difficult to navigate when you plunge in. I don't think any of these guys thought initially that it would um, be so consuming or expensive. Ari says the group doesn't have plans to sell the painting at the moment. For now, they're just hoping the AI report will finally persuade the art world and potential buyers that their painting is a real Raphael. What would your advice be to someone else who uh, discovers an old painting in the back of an old shop that they think might be painted by an old master? Good luck to you. <laughs> You're going to need a lot. <laughs> it's going to be quite the journey. So you said earlier that you weren't into art when this whole journey started. How do you feel about it now? Oh, I love art. Now I'm way more into art. I've, you know, I go to a museum now and I'm way more appreciative and have much more understanding of the skills and techniques that these artists have to create these pieces of work. And it's um, a lot of fun. Is it true that you named your son Raphael? I did. I named him Aiden Raphael. Raphael's his middle name. After the painting? After the painting. After the artist. So this has meant a lot to you. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been more than half my life. I'm 50 years old. It's been 28 years. How much do you think it would mean for Tony for it to be confirmed as a Raphael? A lot. I mean, this was his whole entire life. It consumed him every single day. And it just, it's a shame that he worked his whole entire life proving this thing and never really got to um, see the fruits of his labor. That's all for today, Wednesday, February 22nd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.